Hi guys, um, it's Alana here with episode number nine of the Academy of Self-Love podcast. I am your host, Alana Abby Walker, and I am obsessed with all things self-development and have learned so much on my journey of life that I want to share it all with you. This is a podcast about self-love and self-worth and why these factors are the key ingredients to living the life you dream of and being the person you've always dreamed of being. Self-love and self-worth turn your dreams into a reality, and I'm going to show you how episode by episode. So today I'm excited. I have a friend here that I'm going to be interviewing, and it's a really interesting topic. Um, The topic today is taking a leap of faith. So um, this past week, I celebrated my birthday and I had um, my favorite people in the world um, spend the day with me. And Sam has been um, an amazing friend that I met here in Paris. Um, And I thought he would be the perfect person after all of our conversations to have this conversation with because he has made probably just as many leaps of faith as I have or more. And um, he is also in the process of making some himself right now. So um, yeah, how we met. So uh, why I thought that you'd be the perfect person to discuss this topic with is we sort of met, um, I believe, at a small act and leap of faith, uh, which was I was performing a song at an open mic night and I hadn't done that in a long time. And you were singing a piece of poetry, I believe, that you had written um, and performed like that for the first time. Um, So through COVID and um, my on and off uh, relationship at the time, which I've mentioned in past episodes, um, I fell away from uh, my sanity (laughs) and all creative outlets. So I wasn't acting anymore. I had stopped writing, performing, or doing anything of that sort. So when a musician friend asked me to join her at an open mic night, um, and we planned in one day to do some covers, I was like, hell yes! Um, my soul felt alive again for the first time. Um, and yeah, so I felt like being around other creatives again in Paris of all cities Uh, was the best place to sort of, I think, rekindle that uh, creative uh, connection. So yeah, it was a small leap of faith that I had to take. And that small leap of faith led me to meet my friend Sam and rekindle that part of myself again. Um, But you and I, Sam, we've traveled a lot and taken many bigger leaps of faith in our lives. Um, So when I talk about leaps of faith, I mean taking a big positive risk and knowing that if you fall flat on your face, that you have enough trust and belief in yourself to get back up and figure it out no matter what, or like what you want to do or where you want to go. So I feel like um, a fully lived life has a certain amount of leaps of faith in it. So I guess my first question to you, Sam, you can introduce yourself a little bit. And what does a leap of faith mean to you? Cool. Um, Thank you, Alana, and thank you for inviting me to come and speak on a podcast. I've never done that before, so it's uh, it's definitely a new step for me. (laughs) Um, So yeah, my name is Sam, and I come from a small town in Ireland, but I left Ireland in 2017 and um, haven't really gone back since. Um, 
I'm 30 years old. I'm currently writing my first book and I'm hoping that in the next decade or maybe longer that I can move full-time towards writing being my full career. Um, and for me, leaps of faith are... They're a complicated thing because it's it's everything that your your logical brain is telling you not to do and everything that maybe everyone around you is telling you not to do. And there's like, yeah, 90% of you is saying you shouldn't do this, this is wrong, but there's just a little grain of belief that this feels like the right thing to do and I really feel that's a, a leap of faith. It's just... Um, going against all those no's towards something you think might work out and seeing where it goes. I love that. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. So uh, let's jump right into it. What was the first big leap of faith that you remember doing, like in your life entirely? Like, I'm sure that there's probably stuff that you don't remember, but what was the first one that comes to mind that you think sort of started you on a path of being able to take positive big risks? Um... I'm sure there's lots of little ones that I could identify from my time before I left Ireland, but for the sake of a podcast, we should just go to the the, <laughs> the big deal. Um, so for me, the first big risk I ever took, big, big risk I ever took was in uh, 2017. I was living in Wellington and I just met my partner, Anouk, and she was from Paris and I had my visa to Australia. I was traveling in New Zealand for one year. My next year would be Australia. Then I'd go back to Ireland and study sociology or maybe become a policeman. Um, so my life was very set. And then I met a nuke one day in a hostel and we fell in love. And um, she went back to Paris and we just began Skyping each other for maybe 10 or 12 weeks until we started Skyping for 12 hours a day. <laughs> and then then one day we were Skyping and just out of nowhere I don't really know where or how it came about I was like I'm going to move to Paris and live with you instead and um, I love that, I love your story <laughs> <laughs> uh, and for a small for a man for, for a man from a small town of 17,000 people a place like Paris is, it may as well be Mars. So the idea <laughs> of I'm going to move to Paris and I didn't speak any French um, daunted me from the from the get-go. But um, there and then I had, I had at least decided that I was done traveling and I was moving back to Europe to be with a nuke. And I remember one morning, the morning I left Wellington in New Zealand, I woke up and it was 7 a.m. and I was in a room on my own. And I remember waking up and literally opening my eyes and I could look forward into this whole desert of time before me where I wouldn't know any comfort or familiarity for a long, long, long time to come. Yeah. And even that day I actually had to hitchhike to Christchurch. So I had to hitchhike about a thousand miles. So it was like leap of faith after leap of faith after leap of faith. Oh, literally 100%. <laughs> and back then I was a bit of a... Um, a bit of a bastard for cancelling things and so I was lying in bed that day and I remember just being like I could just get the next ferry <laughs> and it was a $200 ticket and I was just that lazy to get out of bed oh. and um, and just something came into my head and it was just like do it for a nuke 
And I got out of her bed and I hitchhiked the whole way to Christchurch. And I was right. The comfort zone was gone then and familiarity was gone. Yeah. Because after that, I flew back to Europe and I came to Paris for a weekend because we had decided that I wouldn't move to Paris because that would be a bit asking too much. Mm -hmm. So I came to Paris for a weekend with a pair of shorts and a hundred euro. And I had a great time with Anouk and we were reunited and we were in love. And after crossing 18,000 kilometers to be with her, even though all my family were like, what the fuck are you doing? You know, you only, <laughs> you only met this person for two weeks. I'm young and in love. Yeah, Let me you go. Know? <laughs> um, and yeah, we spent, um, we spent a lovely four, four days together. And even all of that, leaving New Zealand and coming to flying around the world, wasn't really my leap of fate. Mm -hmm. My leap of fate came when I left Paris and I got the bus back to the airport outside Paris and it was really like something out of a Hollywood movie and I arrived at the gate with, I love my, this story. with, my, with my ticket and I took my ticket out of my pocket and I just went to scan it and I just, I just felt the weight of the 18,000 miles just block between the ticket and the scanner and I was just like, I just can't go home. I've come this far, I can't, I can't go home. So romantic. But then I was standing there and I was like, but I have nowhere to live. Yeah. I don't speak French. Mm -hmm. I have no hope of getting a qualified job because mm -hmm. I don't speak any of the language. Um, and yeah, I don't know anybody. I have no money. What am I fucking doing? Um, and I remember I rang my parents and it was usually my mother was the advisor. But I remember my father came on the phone and he was just like, you know what, boy, you'll only be 25 years old, standing at the airport in Paris, wanting to go back to the girl you love one time in your life. Yeah. You know, just do it. So truthful. Oh, my God. Just do it. And um, and so I tore up my ticket, uh, told Anouka I'm not leaving. Did you dramatically, like, rip it up to Tore too, it up like... the bin. <laughs> and um, got back on the bus and went back to Paris. And I uh, got out of the bus at the edge of Paris. And to show you how how lost I was. Mm -hmm. I walked for half an hour, power walked. Like, yeah. I'm coming, Anouk. I was planning to walk all the way across the city to her. Half an hour <laughs> later, I realized I was walking in the wrong fucking direction. <laughs> oh my God, the crazy things we do when we're in love. I love that. I love that. Um, yeah, so that's, I mean, so that that's... Okay, there's probably so many things that led you up to that point, but um, that to me, like through all of our conversations, is just the epitome of like your inception of big leaps of faith and just taking, like knowing that like you don't know what's going to happen at all. The uncertainty is so huge. There's no certainty. And you're just like, I have to trust in myself and my love that like, I'm going to figure this out. I have no fucking clue how, but it's going to work. Completely, completely, completely. It's um, like that moment of my, like, I wouldn't even call that a leap of fate. I literally break my life in two yeah. before that day and after that day. Because it was the day a new life was born. Yeah. And I think that's what you get if you just, if you just have enough insanity <laughs> to take that um, to take that step into the storm 
mm-hmm. and to see what comes because it it's amazing what can come from it. It's um, yeah. I I I was not a writer. I I was writing in my journal, but I today now it's going to be my profession. Um, you know, so I I gained a whole me. Yeah. By doing it, you know, so it's not just you like oh I got a good job or a good experience. You really gain yourself. Mm-hmm. You know because the the thing that goes up on the plate is all the societal expectations inside you. Yeah. This is what I think. Yeah. And your societal shell. But yeah. what if, what if? And when you step into that what if and see that you still exist, all of that is gone then. Mm-hmm. And there's another version of you there, a more authentic version. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And growth doesn't come from comfortability. I've talked about this before too. It's like sometimes the things that scare the shit out of you the most, but also excite you are the things that you really have to go towards. And I like how you mentioned insanity because I think to some people it might seem like insanity, but to me, I think now that I've done enough of these big leaps that it almost seems like insanity to not do these things. Because if you don't take these leaps, are you going to get to the end of your life and question, like, you know, what if I did that? Completely. Well, I saw a study of, like, 100-year-olds and their regrets. It's the things they didn't do, not the things they did do. Exactly. You know? Exactly. Um, for me, I think the, the first leaps of faith that I remember doing, so I'll start smaller cause you went, you went straight for the big <laughs> one, which I love, I love. Um, but for me, I think like my first recollection of any sort of leaps of faith was, um, auditioning for theater arts high school and, uh, pursuing my, uh, teenage dream of acting. Um, that was sort of a big deal for me. You know, I've talked a bit about in the podcast how, um, you know, I had a really good childhood up until like preteen years and things got quite rocky and I was really struggling a lot. And so the idea of like pursuing my own dreams was sort of out of the question. It was more about, you know, what is secure? What is what you need to do? What's within the the confines of the, the box and societal pressures? And so for me, that first one was like, you know, having a, a theater teacher say like, you're really good. Like, I think, you know, I was writing poetry and um, someone came to me and was like, you should audition for this. And then getting into a special theater at school was like a really big, I think, aha moment for me. Um, but it could also be like, I think that was a much, much smaller one that was sort of led me to it. But it was the first thing I sort of thought of when we were talking about that. Um, but maybe it was actually really me starting my own event management business at the age of 24 or 25. I can't remember exactly how old I was at. Um, but that was a huge risk for me because no one else I knew at that age was doing that. Like Mm. that was, that was a big deal, especially since like I came from a family where it was very much like, you know, you go to university, you get a good job, you get a good career. And like, you know, what are you doing, doing this? Like I, my grandfather had started his own company. Um, but he, he still did it. I think, don't quote me on this, but I think, like he was still working um, and had a good career in his like early 20s and stuff and was learning how to run a business in all these different ways before sort of like taking the leap mm. into it. So I think a lot of people uh, saw me leaving uh, college. Like I studied business management and uh, creation in college, but I think a lot of people were like, you want to start this right out of college? And I was like, yeah, 
yeah, I do. <laughs> and if I fall and fail, like, then I'll just learn from it, you know? Um, Completely. And there's always going to be people who are going to have reasons not to do something. Like, exactly. All the time. I heard some quote before and it's like, I, I can't even remember the quote, so I'm not even going to go I'm also it. awful with quotes, but it's yeah, okay. It's, yeah. If it's meaningful words, just say it anyway. <laughs> well, it's something about like, you know, listen to the person who's actually doing it rather than listen to the person who's watching someone doing it, you know? Yeah, we were talking about this the other day. It's like, you know, I... It's, don't get me wrong. If people have good intention, I think it's fine for people to give advice. But if you really are looking for advice outside of yourself because I do think you should have enough trust in yourself to really make decisions for yourself but if you need if you need to bounce something off someone else you want to only be approaching people who have done it it may not be necessarily the exact same thing that you've done but someone who has like accomplished what it is you're trying to go after and can really you know be an expander in your life of like yes you can accomplish this completely um a big one for me uh, I've said this to you before, my hero is Van Gogh. Yeah. <laughs> okay? But it's very easy for us to apply to him the brilliance that he's given today mm-hmm. that he never had. Yeah. He worked 10 hours a day painting for 10 years yeah. and was never recognized yeah. in, in his lifetime. Yeah. But believed in art, believed in himself and kept going. So... If you want to do something that is a bit outside the box and really outside your own box, at the end of the day, it's only going to be if you can't learn to just rely on your own fate in yourself. Yeah. If you put it in anyone else's hands, it's um, it loses its potency. It needs to be completely coming from your own center. It's no longer authentically you. It's no longer authentically your vision and choice you know it can be sort of tainted by other people's perceptions or even pressures completely yeah completely yeah um so yeah so like i said with with that everyone else was uh working a regular job and going to university and for and a lot of people were going to university for something they really weren't passionate about because at that age you know a lot of people are just sort of forced by their parents go to college go to university for this um so yeah so i had just finished um going to college for business development. And I, I always knew I wanted to go to university eventually, but I wanted to try and run a business myself. And right out of business school, I didn't care. I was just, I knew this was something I needed to do in my heart and soul. Um, so I think those were the beginnings of me starting to take big positive risks that I could potentially fail at. But I honestly wasn't too worried because I never really believed in failing. Um, if I didn't succeed the way I wanted to, I know I would learn incredible things that would help me succeed in the future. And I wouldn't have learned those things if I stayed on the straight and narrow path of just going to school for something I wasn't sure I wanted to go for. And I mean, I have always been a bit of a risk taker, um, but that was the beginning of me honing it in um, sort of in these bigger ways. So yeah, I think that was like, those were pivotal moments. They weren't, I've, I've also had some moments like you with Paris. Actually, I think mine was in Paris too, but, um, but we'll get to that. So, okay. Next question, which I think sort of ties into maybe, maybe not to sort of ties into what you were just saying, but, um, what was the biggest leap of faith that you've taken so far in your life? Was it? Oh, fuck. I'm after completely jumping the gun with my, <laughs> my leaps of faith. That's okay. Um, I'm searching in my 
in my life since then. Yeah, yeah, there's definitely um there's definitely more hidden in that because um once I took that first leap of faith, mm-hmm. I really began um listening to my stomach, listening to my instincts for every decision basically. Yeah. And um a year a year after I came to Paris because I had a lot of emotional baggage, um I had a lot of trauma. I needed to take some time away from uh, me and Anouk's relationship. Mm-hmm. And um, I returned to Ireland and I lived in a city called Galway in the west coast of Ireland for six months. And I, I had led myself to this place um, just by my, my stomach. It just yeah. was my stomach was telling me. I was in a bar one night in my hometown mm-hmm. and I was just sitting there talking to someone and I turned around and this guy I'd went to school with and we'd been close friends and I hadn't seen him in years right mm-hmm. and a big question for me at that moment was you know I haven't started writing yet I said I'd come home to write a book why haven't I started writing a book yet mm-hmm. and I turned around and the first thing he says have you written a book yet <laughs> what a sign <laughs> and um and it was like really like what this is really weird you know and he was like the next thing he said was come to Galway Galway is full of people who are writing and so I packed up my bag and just moved to Galway. I didn't have a job, didn't have anything, didn't know anybody. Um, and I started teaching English in the school and, um, and I fell in love. I fell in love with another woman. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, we fell extraordinarily in love. Yeah. And, um, and I think, I don't know, it's a different type of leap of faith, but... It was, it was really a leap to, it's really a leap to love someone fully and with complete abandon, knowing that you're not going to, knowing that you're going to separate. Because even from yeah. the, the, the start, our time together had a 12 week limit. She was moving to the USA. Mm-hmm. So, um, that for me was a big part of my healing was to um to really open up and love somebody mm-hmm. and um to to know I'd lose them yeah yeah and i think that life itself is a leap of faith yeah and socially yeah. we believe that we can live that it's not but it is it isn't loving and living and existing is a leap of faith you can be gone in an instant it's true it can all be gone in an instant yeah um so we can't escape the leap of fateness of it. And I really feel that's what I got from our relationship with her. Yeah. That um, there is no good and bad necessarily in life, but you can have beauty and loss intermingled in the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, after she left and I returned to Paris again, literally actually grieving for her, um, I, I, f- I felt completely in touch with another way of being able to love a nuke. Yeah. And that is what I got from the 12 weeks I spent with this woman. Yeah. Was the ability to truly love a nuke then. Um, and so, yeah, it's the gifts in the things that don't look like gifts, you know? Yeah, I get that. I definitely, I mean, over the past year, there's been so many things. Like I said, I, I, uh, I came to Paris, I came to France with a... Um, a mi- I don't want to say a mission, but like, uh, I knew what I wanted out of it. I knew what I needed out of it. 
And I had, I've been such a planner my whole life that I had these like preconceptions of what it would be and what might happen. Um, and I have to say that now that the end of the year has come and, you know, I'm headed back to Canada in, in about a week's time that like I ended up getting absolutely everything I ever wanted out of this experience. It just did not happen by any means the way that I expected it to or mm. that I even hoped for it to. Um, but I think that that's so important too, is like, it's important to want things. It's important to put that out into the universe and start to like manifest that. But when we hold on to the how we sort of set ourselves up for disappointment, when if we just allow ourselves to take the motions, you know, make the proper thoughts and choices to bring what we want into our lives and not have that sort of attachment to it, we can allow things to sort of transpire in such a beautiful way that we never expected. And we're still going to, you know, be able to manifest and get what we want in the end, but not be disappointed that it didn't turn out exactly this way, or, you know, it has to be this way for us to get what we want. Like, I think that that just sets us up for failure. So completely, I think rigidity in life. Yeah. Um, you miss the, you miss a lot. Yeah. Um, you miss a lot, and that's all that a leap of faith really is: is having your ear to the ground that maybe another direction has appeared. It's yeah. not like I'm just gonna fucking quit my job and <laughs> start a business. You know, I mean, some people do. But, but what I mean is, like, it can be closely intermingled with a bad decision. Yes. You get yeah. me. Um. Yeah spontaneity impulsivity not well thought through but let me let me throw something in there though if because here's the thing if quitting your job like right now today and starting a business is like let's say you're in the shittiest job ever and you're just hating your life maybe sometimes it's not always ideal trust me like when I started my business I had I had saved for like almost a year before quitting my jobs and all of that. So I did do it a little bit strategically. But, you know, I think that there are sometimes people need a bit of a push. And if they're not getting a push from something else, that it could potentially be positive to do that. But realistically, it's not always the best idea to just like quit everything, jump off a cliff. Although, you know, you should have some faith that there will be a net that catches you, but you have to be the net yourself. You have to create the net yourself of what's going to catch you. You can't expect just, yeah, to free fall and um, have someone else pick up the pieces. Mm. Yeah. yeah. You have to be willing to take the burden of responsibility then. Exactly. That you've made this decision. Yeah. Um, but it kind of, it wraps back around to what I was saying about that woman in Galway. Yeah. That like, we live in a world of black and white, you know, society yeah. is like, you've made a right or a wrong decision. When mm -hmm. life is like this, uh, gray, mm -hmm. um, and there is no real right or wrong in any decision. Yes, maybe one decision brings you to financial ruin and mm -hmm. that, but there might be beautiful lessons in that, which bolsters you up to a whole new level of consciousness yeah so it completely wipes the floor between anything necessarily being bad or good i mm -hmm. i think it's not really the point of avoiding good or bad yeah but stagnation yes that it's that yes. middle ground that you've never even done anything relatively intense or in any direction yeah and you've just kind of played it safe 
And I think playing it safe destroys the human soul. Oh, completely. And that goes back to, you know, so you were mentioning about um, uh, people uh, coming to the end of their life. And this is something we've talked about a lot before. And there's actually a good book. I'm going to butcher the name of it, but I think it's something like the five top lessons of the dying. And it literally speaks about that and how, you know, the lesson or sorry, the, the, the risks you don't take are the things that you are going to regret at the end of your life. And I don't think anyone ever came to the end of their life and was like, I'm glad I played it safe on everything. Yeah. No, <laughs> I don't think that yeah. sounds so soulless. Completely. Like, I'm really glad I didn't go after the love of my life. I'm really glad I didn't move across the world romantically to write a book and start a business and study this. And like, I don't think anyone ever said that. No. And truly meant it. No, I, I, I wouldn't. <laughs> I wouldn't think so. I wouldn't think so. Though also, I am a little bit conservative myself in like, you know, having a home and having a job and having that is is quite good for people. Having roots is quite good for people as Stability. well. Stability. Yeah. But there needs, I think there's a, a difference though between consistently, because there, there is a difference, I think, between like taking big leaps of faith to better your life, to go after your dreams, to go after your goals versus I think sometimes people misinterpret it as like people who are trying to run away Hmm. from their problems. Maybe they're maybe taking risky decisions and doing risky things and sort of misinterpreting it as taking leaps of faith when really it's just like they're, um, they're either running away from something or they're, um, like, there's just not that stability. And I think that the a, a good full life, obviously it's different to everyone, the, the balancing act of this, but I think that it requires a bit of both. It requires stability, mm. whatever stability means to you. And it also requires risk mm. in whatever that means to you. Because obviously, you know, you don't have to pick up and move all the way across the world to necessarily have a leap of faith. For some people, maybe it's... Um, changing their life so that they can study what they really want to study or um you know writing that book starting that podcast making a youtube channel like literally whatever it is that comes to mind like sometimes it may seem small to other people who have done things like move across the world but it's not small to that person that is a big leap of faith it's all relative you know i'm sure buying twitter was a leap of faith for elon musk but it's an, <laughs> a, it's an absolute monolith of uh, action compared to anything i'll ever do yeah you know you shouldn't say that though don't limit yourself but that's the relativity of it you know yeah. I, I, i'm going to completely limit myself i have to put boundaries on my life and say no i'm never gonna <laughs> i'm never gonna do uh takeover of a of a social media company <laughs> yeah maybe that's just not in my but it's it's only not within the realms of your reality because it's not what you desire let's just put it like that and okay i don't know i don't know i think multi-billion <laughs> dollar dollar level of business trading is like another level you know it's almost like aristocracy today you know yeah 300 years ago John, the peasant, could pretty much say he's never going to sit on the fucking golden but throne. That's, yeah, okay, but that was then. This is now. And, like, I, I think... I, I agree with... I do... It's, see, there again, is like, it's a, it's a grey question. Mm-hmm. Because, yes, you can do if you want, but it's like, put some limits as well. Put, put some boundaries on that, and you'll be yeah. more peaceful. You get me? That capitalist... Yeah. 
If you work hard enough, you can be whatever you fucking want. Yeah. It, it's destroying people's souls, you know? It's like... It's true. And they're not content with minimalism anymore. Exactly. You know, it's like, I don't want to run Twitter. Inter- <laughs> <laughs> well, nobody... Yeah, yeah, okay. I get what you mean. But like, yeah, no. People need to enjoy the simplicity of life as well. It's mm. like... Yeah, and I think that that's actually you bring up a really good point. Taking leaps of faith should never be based off of like pressure um, to sort of be in the rat race. And I think a lot of that stuff for people who really do make it really well, mm-hmm. it, don't get me wrong, a lot of hard work, yeah. a lot of talent, and right place, right time, look, you know, there's 10 million, 20 million people out there in the same race. Yeah. You know what I mean? Working just as hard, just as intelligently. Mm-hmm. Um, and you just can't say that those are the only factors you need to make it wherever no, you want to go. No, there's so many different factors you know? that play into it. But I think if you follow certain steps, um, mostly I think following your intuition um, will at least lead you in the right direction, even if you don't know fully where to go. Completely, completely. Yeah. So, yeah, so... Um, back to the big leap of faith, you know, for me, um, uh, I, I, it was similar to you, uh, although a little bit different, but booking a one-way ticket to France when I knew absolutely no one in the country at all and had never even been to Europe before, let alone France was the biggest leap of faith for me so far. Um, I wanted to throw myself into completely uncharted territory and force myself to swim and figure it out. And um, I used it as a way to build self-trust in myself and knew that I had been successful at everything I had sort of set my mind to before and took a leap of faith at. So um, that if I could move across the globe on a bit of a whim, (laughs) that I could do anything anywhere and sort of make it work and just be able to have that um, trust in myself Mm. that... I could do whatever. And I, I knew that um, it would be uh, sort of, I always look at this as like stepping stones. Cause like, although I don't like to relate it to the capitalistic rat race of like always striving for more and more and more, I know that I myself like in a very pure way have these like big goals and dreams just like you do. And like, I know that, um, they're going to continue to expand. And as we continue to take these big leaps and realize that we can succeed at them, I think more and more opportunity sort of opens up for us. So the more Mm. that we realize that like, oh, wow, okay, I could do that. Then you take the next big leap. Wow, I was able to do that. And then more and more becomes available to you and, and your knowledge that you're able to go after it and make it happen and make these big things happen. Yeah. It, 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 um, your bravery expands. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, completely. So what are some challenging moments that came from your big risks in life and how you grew through them? Sort of a big topic. So here, here, <laughs> here, here's, I know I love, I love this cause it gives another side. Um, and it's, it's literally like, very easy to say to paint that Hollywood picture of I tore up my ticket, got on my bus, and you know we talk about this romantic moving to Paris, yeah, but like yeah, let's yeah, get yeah. down to the nitty gritty of what the bad times were, <laughs> not the bad times, but the hard times. And um, for me, firstly, I'll say that 
every moment from that moment on for quite a long time was very difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, because when you take a leap out of your comfort zone, you know, you're like a... And I was quite traumatised, like severely traumatised. So um, it was not necessarily... Maybe um, maybe I'm not a perfect example, but um, it's like a little creature coming out from underneath the rock, you know, <laughs> and then you're exposed to the vultures in the, in the sky, and the vultures were my own mind. So, um, yeah, with taking that leap of faith, you know, you're exposed. You've... Because there's a certain reason why these pacts have appeared in society. Yeah. Get a job, just get a get a house, don't leave your home country, just kind of go do the same thing. And there's a lot to be said for that as well, if you're content with that. Yeah. Um, but um, when you go in the opposite direction and all the things you identified as being yourself, but were actually your previous society's life path put inside you, yeah. when they're pulled away, you're left very isolated. So for me, the first 10 months in Paris were tragic. Mm. Um, I remember I arrived in October and in March we were coming back from Ireland and I saw the Eiffel Tower on the bus the same bus that in October I had taken back in like fucking Hercules <laughs> and I started crying Aww. I started crying I was just like I just don't want to go back you know because it, it was so hard yeah. you know I didn't speak any French I was terrified to speak French all my anxieties were thrown up on top of me immediately Yeah. big city didn't know anyone everyone quite rude working in a burger restaurant, didn't know what I was doing. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it was like, the moment things got real in terms of life, mm-hmm. things got real in terms of trauma. Yeah. Things weren't repressed anymore. They started to come up then. Yeah. Um, and have to deal with them. Because when you're living in the zone that created the trauma, mm-hmm. you're still kind of in survival mode. So... Yeah. I had gone into this next mode now where it was like processing mode. Mm-hmm. Um, so the next five years mm-hmm. were consistently challenging all the time Yeah. Um, on a daily basis. But um, at the same time, never so full of meaning. Yeah. You know, and I'm sure the level of growth was like exponential. Phenomenal, phenomenal. Like you know, I look back at twenty to twenty five, mm-hmm. and I look back at twenty five to thirty, mm-hmm. and you know, I feel like an old man at the, at this stage, <laughs> with all the experience and knowledge and growth. You're like, oh, it's been amazing, but I'm a little tired from all of this. Well, it takes a lot to um. It takes a lot to kind of abandon the idea of ever going to university and getting a university job. Mm-hmm. Um, living in a foreign city, just cooking burgers or working in a bar. Or, yeah. Um, just with with um, lots of foreign people just trying to write. It mm-hmm. you, you really just start to become a student of life. Yeah. You know, and yeah. then comes a certain kind of moment where you have to, which are, this is the moment I'm arriving at now. Mm-hmm where you have to kind of leave go of the last clause you have onto the fact that you might ever have a semblance of a normal life path. Yeah. You know, and you really have to just abandon yourself to say, like, I'm just going to be a student of life. Mm -hmm. And if it works, it works. If it doesn't, 
it doesn't really matter either way, you know. You can always go back. That's the thing that's really helped me is like if you imagine the worst case scenario, most of the time it's not that bad. You just end up maybe similarly to where you were and you can always continue to find a new path and move forward from that. But the thing is that's that's what I mean about being pushed to the claws because I can't because I've put so much investment into healing myself and writing Mm -hmm. that inadvertently it's just become my my life path that is me that is me now and if it means that I just do it for myself and I never get published and I work in a bar for the next 50 years I'm actually getting to that stage now where I fundamentally understand that it's like that doesn't matter you know because if you're living your soul's purpose and then you're fulfilled on a whole other level than running the rat race or doing what you quote unquote should what society thinks you should be doing is not going to fulfill you so um Um, yeah i think that's like really admirable and i even inside my the five years since my leap of faith i actually have a perfect nearly full circle example of submitting to external pressures about what i should do and the results the resulting confusion behind that yeah um which we can go into uh towards the end because i think you had a final question that was more related to that and i don't, I don't want to uh, <laughs> no it's fine i love jump this, to go on and ruin your podcast we, no 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 this is great this is like we have such great conversations so i thought that this would just be like just like us talking having a coffee like we normally do so this is great um yeah but i mean like everything you said is like words out of my own mouth. I mean, like coming here was, you know, it, it was romantic. Don't get me wrong. There was, there's still so many beautiful things about it, but it was scary. And in the sense of like, you know, I was really isolated in Toronto. I was living in Toronto before I came to France and, um, and you know, we had the longest lockdown, um, in the world. And so I was completely isolated and I was just missing, you know, after two years, I just wanted community. I wanted to be around people. And then now I'm throwing myself in a situation where I don't speak the language. I know absolutely nobody. Like I sometimes say it's like starting from scratch. You're not really starting from scratch though. Cause you're, you're still bringing all the tools in your toolbox with you, yeah. but you are like, you're rebuilding a new life or you're rebuilding a new self. You've evolved to a point where like, you don't know who you are anymore. You're, you're almost like relearning who you are in this new existence that you've created for yourself. And it's, it's challenging. And the same thing, you know, like I was, uh, I was still going to school online, um, from my university back in Toronto. So like I was staying up to like two in the morning to do my classes because of the, the time exchange. And, you know, I was trying to throw myself out there and it was, there were moments where, yeah, like I called, uh, I called my mom, I called some friends just crying, being like, what did I do? <laughs> but, yeah, then, yeah. but then waking up the next morning and like I was living in Nice when I first moved here and I lived two blocks from the, the water and I would just, you know, whenever I would have one of those moments, the nights where I call my mom crying, I would then, you know, the next morning wake up, walk to the water with my dog and just be like, this is, this is worth it. Like, I know that this is scary right now, but this is going to be worth it. And Mm -hmm. the same thing, when I made the leap to move to Paris, I literally was like dropped off by a taxi. Like I, I didn't even know where my apartment was. I was dropped off with my tax, with it by a taxi in like the middle of this road with my dog, like a bunch of suitcases, her kennel, no one to help me. I'm like, I don't have anyone to call to help me. I'm like, I don't know where my place is. I was literally, I just started crying, like bawling my eyes out. Like, 
what did I do? Like, and I'm in Paris and I should be so excited, but I was just like a mess and like a ball of like, oh my God, like, what am I going to do? And it all ended up working out fantastic, but it took time and effort. And um, that's where the growth, it's like, that's where, that's where like after you've taken the leap of faith and you, you, um, you expect it to be all glory and it, and it isn't glory. <laughs> yeah. But maybe it's, sometimes you mightn't notice that it's in the absolute fucking disasters that come after oh, that yeah. you're growing. That is the leap of faith. It's like, you know, you arrive and you don't know where you are and you're lost. I remember when I first got here, I was working in a bar mm -hmm. and um, I had no phone. And at three in the morning, four in the morning, I took the bus mm -hmm. in the wrong direction oh, no. for like half an hour. With my friend drunk, he was like, yeah, this is the right direction. And he was like, oh, sorry. I just... Wrong way. I was like, I was miles away from home. Yeah. I didn't know where I was. Yeah. And it's just those challenges. Yeah. Every day and slowly, you're like a little sculpture. Yeah. That, that begins to change. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the growth. I mean, the, the last thing I'll say about that is that, um, you know, it actually sort of bugs me. I, I had a few people that, um, you know, had said this to me. They did it out of, like, kindness. Don't get me wrong. I know they love me and they were just looking out for me. But there was one or two people that came to me that asked me before I did this, like, are you trying to run away from something? Because I've always wanted to move to another country. And then when I was finally doing it, you know, I was going through heartbreak. I was going through all these things. And, um, you know, they sort of asked me, you know, are you, are you doing this to run away from something? And here's the thing. Like, I just want to, like, make a public announcement here. People that think that they can run away from their problems, it's ridiculous. It doesn't matter where you go in the world, you cannot run away from your problems. I've traveled enough to know this. So firstly, I was not running away from my problems. I was actually throwing myself into the, the belly of the beast, as we were talking about, you know. I knew that by throwing myself into the situation, every trauma, every everything I was dealing with, like, I was alone, you know. So like when you're alone and you're traveling and you're learning all these new things you are with yourself. You have to face your fears. Mm. You have to face whatever issues are coming up. You have to face everything that um, you may not have been able to face when you were back in the bubble of it all, back in, in whatever situation you were in before. So if anything, I actually think that by throwing yourself into a new, I mean, this is not for the faint of heart, but um, <laughs> to throw yourself into a completely new country, environment, whatever, makes you have to face your shit, like, straight on. Mm, yeah, I think everybody should uh, leave, leave their roots, um, like you just said, and then, you know, when you leave yourself, when you leave where you come from, you meet yourself truly for the first time mm -hmm. you know you really really do yeah I think that um you know speaking of self-love since this is a self-love podcast um I thought I knew what self-love was before this and I had a slight understanding of it but I didn't get into the deep inner work of it and truly fully understand it and find absolute true love for myself until doing this mm. and so I'm not saying that everyone has to buy a one-way ticket across the world but damn if you like I think for a lot of people it it makes you face yourself in a way that you can't if you're in a comfortable place and in a known place and 
it not only helps you grow, but it helped me love myself in a way that I don't know that I would have come to. Maybe I would have come to it, but I wouldn't have come to it as quickly if I was in the situation I was in back in Canada. Mm, yeah. Yeah. So next question for you. Why do you think taking positive big risks are important? And do you think they're essential in people's personal growth? We sort of touched on this, but if you want to expand even farther. Um, I think it's whatever the risk is, it's important to take it. Be Maybe not because of the results, but to challenge what might have you afraid to take the risk. Mm-hmm. Um, that fear of rejection or shame or destruction um and really getting to the other side of something like that and saying wow i done that yeah um can be very life changing mm-hmm. you know be very very life changing i took a huge dose of psychedelics on my own a few years ago mm-hmm. and i had quite an intense experience and it gave me a real like debt panic relationship mm-hmm. to psychedelics yeah and when we lived in amsterdam one day a nuke went away and i didn't take a huge dose but I sat on the couch and I took a relatively strong dose. And I just <laughs> sat there in in the throes of panic and terror. Like, mm. I was absolutely terrified. And I just sat there. And I was like, because it had been following me ever since, you know. I was like, I yeah. need to pass through that risk again to regain myself. And um, so it was not for really what happened in the risk, but it was more to overcome what I was afraid to do the risk for yeah facing the shadows like facing straight the fear on. of it yeah. yeah um and that's the bit that, that's well I think that's another conversation though facing your fears but I think your risks are your fears as well yeah if you could it, it's no that's actually very true and I'm, I am going to do uh, an episode on both of those but like facing and, and figuring out your limiting beliefs because I think that that's the main thing that holds people back from anything that they truly want, but especially the big things. Like mm-hmm. if you if you have limiting beliefs about, you know, you don't think you're capable of doing it or you think that, you know, all the what ifs and all that stuff, then it's going to keep you from doing anything you want in life, but especially the big stuff. Completely. But and I think that the big stuff, you know, everything, even the biggest buildings are built on little bricks at the bottom. And it's really <laughs> it's really those things, especially for people who might be generally leaning towards more anxious yeah it's really in the moment to moment yeah of how of how you interact life that it begins to build up and up you know yeah like i took my first huge risk coming to paris mm-hmm. um but i did i did it the opposite way opposite way around so my mm-hmm. little bricks hadn't been built up yeah so when i got here i had a lot of anxiety that i wasn't able to get you know, I didn't have the strength to really engage with society. Yeah. And I really feel that's where true change comes. Mm-hmm. When you do those little things that you just don't want to fucking do, but mm-hmm. you have to do them. The um, small buildups. Like, that's why I say, like, you know, if anyone here listening is, you know, like I said, you don't have to book a one-way ticket across the world, although I do recommend it highly. You know, take figure out what the small little bricks are for you, the small little leaps of faith and, and start to slowly show yourself that you're capable of taking those smaller risks to Mm. then build up to something bigger. If you want to completely. Um, one example I have from just in the summer gone, I wouldn't say it's like a, a a small brick, but, Mm. um, maybe it can be a nice example of what 
the surprises you can find because fear really feeds on apprehension yeah it's so powerful thinking about it it's so powerful before you've walked into the interview before you've asked her to be your girlfriend you know yeah. it's always that bound it's on the border of it mm-hmm. and i done a male ritual group for like five days during the summer mm-hmm. And they asked me to do a performance. I don't know if I told you You told me about this. I love this. And they asked me to do a performance. And I was like, definitely, in front of 36 men I didn't know. Because I I would love to try acting. And I love expressing myself physically. Um, And then they were like, yeah, but you have to be naked. And (laughs) What a way to expose yourself to the world, truly. Yeah, 100%. And And I was like, well, they asked me, so I can't say no. Life is centered this way, so I can't say no. YOLO. And I remember at 4 a.m. I just woke up with, there was no, I'm a bit sleepy. I just woke up and was like, what the fuck have I said I'm going to do? Oh my God. How, am I, how am I going to spend 15 minutes yeah. naked in front of a room full of strangers? Yeah. And um, so we went uh, to do this ritual and um, I was rolled up in a white sheet to be... Uh, Carried in on six guys' shoulders, uh, completely naked. Total ritual. And then to be rolled out of the sheet into the middle of the floor in front of all these men. Yeah. And when they rolled me up and put me in the sheet, and I was naked at this point, and they all lifted me on their shoulders, it just went completely silent. And it was like 7am and a bird began singing. Mm-hmm. And it was just one bird singing in this dead countryside silence and there was no fear it was just gone just disappeared like i mean i was actually enjoying it that's and beautiful before that my mantra used to be everything ends yeah if i had a tough interview or everything mm-hmm. in 10 minutes it will be over and i said it to myself there i'd be like in 15 minutes this will all be over mm-hmm. and it just this wisdom just came out of my unconscious and was like well then you'll wish your life away exactly this is beautiful enjoy the moment you know and there it is it's like the most challenging things that the things that push you to your absolute limit Mm -hmm. you know have so much beauty in them yeah you know and it's really really meaningful and full of purpose to do things that make you feel like shit (laughs) but ultimately you you get yeah i was gonna say before you do it because afterwards you're like wow like, I mean, it's not exactly the same thing, but I, uh, I did art modeling for a while. So I, I literally would stand and pose naked in front of a room full of artists that were learning to paint, draw, whatever. And the first time I was scared shitless, but I just, I had, I always thought I would just like, you know, if I only do this once in my life, I want to do this. I ended up doing it for like a year. Um, but it was the most scary and then the most liberating experience afterwards where I was like you know what actually speaking of leaps of faith that was probably one of them too because when I stood in that room and I and I did this whole class and then I saw people's paintings afterwards I was like shit if I can stand in front of a room of people naked doing like all these positions and just like being myself but also just being so raw and vulnerable like Mm. that but in like a beautiful innocent way I was like I could fucking do anything it's the vulnerability. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's the vulnerability of it. Yeah. Yeah, if you're willing to be that vulnerable to be naked in front of other people. Yeah. You gain a new you gain a new confidence. Yeah. There's a, there's an element of you because it's so tough to always be trying to 
to, to always have a part of yourself that you're secretly terrified to be exposed to the world. Yeah. And when you just expose yourself fully naked, you're kind of like, well, here I go. All the masks come off. You're yeah, just like, yeah. ah, this is me. Yeah. Metaphorically and physically. <laughs> Com- completely, yeah, completely. And it's, it's such a power to have to, um, to not have a corner of yourself you're trying to hide. Yeah. So, okay, this is a perfect transition for that then. So what is the leap of faith that you are thinking about taking currently? Because there is one, a big one that I can think of that you have talked about quite a bit with me that I think you may have some news about, which I'm excited to hear about. Uh, yeah, I'm going to quit my job. I'm an English teacher. But that ties into what I said um, earlier. Um, when I got to Paris and took my first leap of faith, mm-hmm. uh, I became completely lost. And I think it's that people could expect that the next step is immediately into the gardens of Eden. But yeah. it can actually go into an even more confusing one yeah. that would make you really want to go back. So I entered into this period of time where I stopped, you know, drinking and partying and being a traditional young Irish man. Mm-hmm. And all my friends at home started to be like, what the fuck is up with you? <laughs> but at the same time, I was, I was in the middle of this new world that I didn't actually fit into. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the midst of this, like, maelstrom of um, confusion and lack of identity mm-hmm. and social roots, yeah. um, I didn't know what to do. Mm-hmm. You know, I was just working flipping burgers. So my girlfriend, um, from genu- from a genuine care, was like, you know, you're, you're smarter than just that. Uh, why don't you teach English? Yeah. So I went and I um, taught English for a while. And that was another... Uh, mountain to climb mm-hmm. but um, so now three years later I'm um, just on the brink I actually decided last night I was in a church yesterday mm-hmm. uh, sitting in the silence and just really trying to like um, rack my soul mm-hmm. about what to do um, and I decided I'm going to quit my job get a job in a bar and just write full time I'm so happy that you made this decision. Write for like five hours a day and just simplify my life. Um, because working in a bar meant, is fun and mentally it's, it's very straightforward, yeah. you know. Teaching English, you always ha- you have to care. Yeah. You know, that that's someone who wants to improve. And I'm, I'm someone who tries to live with integrity. So I, I put my energy in and I'm like, you know, let's, let's help you improve. Then what falls to the wayside? The writing, Your writing, the writing yeah. stays as a hobby. Yeah, you know, and um, so this is my next leap of faith. It feels great. It feels really embodied. It feels terrifying. And mm-hmm. um, right today, I feel very good. I feel a lot of anger, fear, um, panic. Wants to jump out the window, uh, <laughs> because. I don't know, it's easy to kind of get lost in the in the day-to-day of... It's easy to get lost in the day-to-day of um, your own life. And maybe you don't see the size of the decisions maybe you're just about to take. Yeah. Because you're the one that's always living with them. So when you get closer to the precipice, it doesn't seem very out of the blue. Yeah. But kind of, you know, when I'm sitting here and I'm like, I'm going to quit my job to write... Um, it's a bit terrifying. It's a bit terrifying. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. It's yeah. a big deal, you know. Um, 
but but we've spoken about this you know my father he got sick in May and he died four months later mm-hmm. and it just came out of the blue yeah and he was dead and he was perfectly healthy before that yeah you know uh, we all believed he'd live till he was 90 so um, it, that's a big bell toll in your life like that you know not in a negative way but it just end yeah it could just end you know and you could spend your life like god i'd love to try that mm-hmm. and especially today not for everybody and don't get me wrong not everyone has opportunity but just so many people today at least have flexibility yeah to and i think that were a lot what i feel holding me back is image yeah it's it it comes down to image, yeah. you know, um, because I'm not earning that much more teaching than I would in a bar. Yeah. But it seems to me that oh, I'm, I'm society sees it in like a different way. Completely. Other yeah. than honoring the fact, like to me, and I think other people who are like, you know, risk takers in that way, I think it's a more on, like honorable and um, admirable choice to honor your soul's purpose, which is writing. But to you know average joe on the street he may be like well no man like you know teaching english is like a pretty uh you know respectable gig why are you giving that up to go live your dream and it's like no i'm yeah (laughs) i'm not authentically honoring who i am here so i need that energy to go towards who i am truly which is a writer completely completely and that's what i said about today that we're we're very flexible that it's it, it takes inward courage, but externally it doesn't actually change much. And we we're, our generation has so much opportunity mm-hmm. to to do side projects. Yeah. Um, much more than before. Um, and I just really would think that if someone wants to do something, they just go and do it, you know? Yeah. Uh, especially today, because maybe in the 80s, if at 30 you left your job mm-hmm. and pursued a dream for 10 years and then it fell through mm-hmm. well then you're 40 and no corporation is going to take you now this is back in the 80s i'm saying but today people are today 40 is different are yeah. like oh i want to become a data scientist bam i'm going to change they want to become a lawyer there you go yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. so um it is literally the age of flexibility which yeah. is one of the one of the good things coming out of um the choices we have today yeah and I, I don't think it should ever come from a place of trauma. I do think it's important to look within yourself when you're making these sorts of things. But one of the, the mantras that I keep living by in the past little while is like, it's now or never. You know, and it relates sort of back to what you're talking about, about your father. You know, both my parents are, are terminally ill and they have been for a little while. And there's always at the back of my mind, like, you know, it, it's been a hard thing, but it's also, it makes you realize like when you confront your mortality and other people's mortality it makes you realize that like do I want to wait or is it now or never you know and sometimes you do have the option sometimes you have the the privilege to think things over and sometimes you should but I think sometimes if you've mulled something over for long enough and you still feel so called to it it needs to come to a point where it's like, it's now or never. Okay. Or I'm going to live my life being like, I'll do it next month. I'll figure it out. I'll wait another year. Tomorrow's no. a great day. Exactly. Today is a great day. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it, it, it's very true. I found more life in, um, I found more life in the death of my father mm-hmm. than 
any life I've ever lived before that. Yeah. Literally. There's more... Because you just... You just don't understand. Because it's like consciously you can tell yourself, I'll die. Mm-hmm. But there's a part... I, I fundamentally believe there's a part of us that believes we won't. Yeah. And there's a part of me that believed I wasn't until I fucking looked at my father's dead face. And I was like, I'm pretty sure he's dead. Woke you up. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, and I really like... I have grieved and I am grieving in a healthy manner, but I, I have to say it was also very beautiful because it also shows you that death is not something to be, to worry about. No. You know? If anything, it, it gives you this sense of purpose of like to live. Like it, it reminds me to live, it, you know? It makes time finite. Yeah. It makes you finite, which um, is a beautiful thing to have because it's, it's true and it's mm. inescapable. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so um, I'm not ready to talk about my next big leap of faith. I know I've you you already know a little bit about it, um, but I I have uh, something that I'm not ready to announce yet entirely, because um, it's not entirely set in stone and confirmed, but it's definitely being manifested as we speak. Um, but I think that. Um, you know, a big one for me right now that I'm working on is um, launching my self-love and mindset coaching business fully. And I've already been working with some people and one-on-one clients for the past year, but I have a lot more planned and coming out soon. And it is exciting, but a bit nerve-wracking just because I truly try to put my heart and soul into everything I do. And this new business, um, which is part of my podcast, feels like I'm birthing a baby in a way so um between the business coming out that's like I think probably my next really big leap of faith that I can talk about and then this other really big move um you know I you know what all right I'll I'll, I'll spill the beans a little bit I was you already know about this but mm. this is for anyone listening um I was accepted into a university for something I really want to study in another country. I'm not going to say anything else beyond that. But once things are confirmed, I'll make a beautiful (laughs) announcement. But let's just say there's another big leap coming. Like this one is the biggest leap I will have made if I pull it off. I will pull it off. Anyway. (laughs) Um, All right. So what would you say to others if they are on the fence about making a big decision or taking a big leap of faith into the unknown right now? I just say to do it. Yeah. <laughs> Obvious answer. To do it and just uh, go for it. It's unique to everybody, I suppose. It's really, really unique to everybody. You know, yeah. I think um, the best uh, the best answer I have actually comes from a guy I knew in New Zealand who broke his leg in Australia, um, and spent all his money in hospital. And when he arrived in New Zealand, he was homeless. He had no mm. money. And he had to wait for two weeks to get his brother to send him money. Mm-hmm. And he just lived on the streets uh, asking for food and stuff like that. Oh, wow. And, uh, and he said it was the most liberating experience ever. Mm-hmm. Because what he realized was that at, at literal zero, mm-hmm. with a broken leg living in the fucking streets, he, he still felt whole and capable yeah he dealt with it and i think that's the thing is um 
don't project too forward into taking any risk because on, you're only able to project with the fear. Yeah. But look at all the stuff that you might be handling in the here and now. Mm-hmm. You know, I feared my father's death for years as part of my trauma. Yeah. And when he died, I just handled it. Yeah. And that was a big teacher for me that the biggest things we're afraid of, when they come along, don't forget that you exist also as a strong person who can handle them. Yeah. You know, you're not going to yeah. fall apart. And I think that's the big thing with a leap of faith. Just go, just go into it. Well, even if you do fall apart, you will get back up again. Because trust me, I fell apart some of my leaps of faith. But, but is it real falling <laughs> apart? Is it the falling apart that, that apprehension would make you believe that destruction falling apart? Yes, it might be severely emotionally challenging. Yeah. But it's not actually yeah. falling apart. No, you make a good point. You make a good point. It's not It's not entirely falling apart. It just, it may feel like it in the moment, but it's not. Exactly. Because <laughs> humans are like super durable. Yeah. Super, super durable. We can withstand so much yeah. intensity. Yeah, it's you true. Know? Um, so it's just like we, we can end up back into a mental corner that if I do it, I might, you know, we're not made of glass. We're not brittle. Yeah. You know, like yeah. the camps during World War Two, people mm-hmm. survived that. Yeah. You yeah. know, the day That's in, true. the day out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, I mean, some some things here that I wrote down I thought was important. It's just like sometimes your only available transportation is a leap of faith. So sometimes just, just do it. You know, Nike, my mom always my mom always says this and it sort of annoys me, but I sort of like it. She's like, Elena, what's Nike's slogan? <laughs> like, just do it. <laughs> um, but um, even him, he, he made his shoes at a time when runners didn't wear, the people who ran in the Olympics didn't wear shoes. That was a leap of faith. Yeah, he convinced them to wear shoes. Yeah. And they didn't need them. Yeah. You know, Walt Disney was told that he was a terrible drawer. Yeah. And he was like rejected hundreds of times. I think, yeah, I think most really successful people, all really successful people, let's get real, um, they did it because of a leap of faith. Like they literally just, they did something out of the norm, whether, no matter what it was, they did something and it was a big deviation from what was their previous past completely and i suppose i think we have a habit today of using success stories um in a kind of a capitalist sense as as our examples when we talk about leaps of faith and taking risks yeah and i think what it can do is it can um paint a false picture of what necessarily a risk is you know and what success is. What I think people need to know what success really be, means. It could it's, literally be leaving your job, going to that poetry group and performing. Yeah. Or something. You know, it's like, it, it is the little things that will change your life, not the big successes. It's literally those little day-to-day leaps of faith and risks. Yeah. And the, and the big ones, like that's, I think a big misconception too, is the big ones actually aren't big ones. They were small steps that led to something that seemed so big. Completely. Yeah. Because we only see the, the external of a person's life. Yeah. We don't see the 24-7 narrative. Like I said earlier about when you've made a decision, you're with it all the time up until the precipice. So we just see people and we're like, well, how did they do that? But it's that consistency all the time. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, but I mean, you know, in any given moment, we have two options to step forward into growth or to step back into safety. And no one ever died saying that I'm glad that I never took any risks 
or didn't do anything that I dreamed of doing. So people do die regretting not taking the risks that they wanted to take and going after their dreams. So don't be one of those people with regret. I think that's, yeah, you know, a key, key aspect to success here, whatever success means to you. Um, so take that leap of faith because you'll either land somewhere new or learn to fly, guys. Um, either way, I promise you won't regret the positive risks that you do take. So thank you, Sam, for being no such worries. an awesome guest here. And thank you, everyone, for listening to our awesome conversation. I love conversations with Sam. Um, love you guys lots. And a big thank you uh, to everyone for listening. Um and yeah, if you found this episode helpful or entertaining, please leave the podcast a review and rating. And please share any episodes you think could be useful to your friends, family, and loved ones. Because we really want to spread these messages around to anyone who really needs to hear them. So lots of love. Until next time. XOXO Gossip Girl and all that jazz. Bye for now, guys.